podcast. Uh, my guest today is Malcolm Bedell. Hello. Hi. <laughs> Malcolm uh, and I have kind of come up in the uh, the main food writing industry. The together. mean streets. The mean streets throughout <laughs> the years. Uh, Malcolm used to uh, have a blog called From Away. He also has a cookbook, um, Eating in Maine, kind of based on the same blog. Uh, he is currently the owner of Ancho Honey Restaurant in Tenants Harbor, Maine which you should check out. There's a, uh, right now they specialize in a lot of uh, meals to go and burgers and fried chicken sandwiches. And, yeah. I and, mean, it's changing yeah. a little bit. We, we opened purely as a meals to go place and we're doing more kind of live cooking as we, as we grow here. But yeah. Yeah. And you've always kind of put emphasis on the art of the burger. That's like a big, big thing for you. And yeah, like, for sure. I mean, really any food that you can stack on top of other foods. So I uh, yeah. try, <laughs> try and really do well. Yeah, you come up with some pretty like interesting combinations that somehow seem like they, they would work. They're yeah. like very, you know, all over the board. But it's I, it's a format I like because everyone gets what it is. You know, you don't. There's yeah, not a lot of a explaining right. to be done, right. um, and so you can really kind of have some fun with some ideas and some and some flavors that otherwise might put people off. Yeah. Um, but you stack them on a sandwich or on a burger, and suddenly people get it. You don't Everything's have to. It's fine. Yeah, you don't have to talk them into it. Yeah, and you um, kind of. Uh, one of the things you've always done really well um, is... Is this the segment where I just get showered in compliments from you? Because that would be a fantastic way to start this whole that's thing. That's going to be over pretty soon. <laughs> yeah. I have a whole three pages of just things. I'm just critical, hard We're going to do what we call a compliment sandwich. <laughs> <laughs> and, uh, and then just ruin yeah. you for two pages. And then we'll say something nice about okay, you. Okay, that's fair. Uh, no, what you always do really well is uh, write about very lowbrow things in an intelligent fashion. Um, I remember back, so, you know, we were talking about, and I talked about on the last, or one of the last episodes of Rob Evans, the whole, the rise of the food blogger. Yeah. You know, the 2008, 9, 10, 11, 12. Yeah. Um, I remember you even had a post on your blog about, so you want to start a food blog. These are things you should do. I remember actually being really, thought that was really cool. Like, right. This is how you take a food photo that doesn't look like shit. Right. You know, this is how to make it engaging. Right. Maybe you should do this. Well, because so many people weren't. I mean, oh, you, yeah. you and I were kind of doing the same thing at the same time. I mean, I know you had a, a lot of other kind of side projects. Well, mine but... was very different. Mine wasn't a very informative. It was just about me getting fucked up. Right. <laughs> <laughs> right. And I, I mean, I don't, I don't know if you would argue. Well, I, yeah, I guess I tried to be informative. I don't know. There's a whole road we could go down about the kind of relative merits and value of food blogging. Well, we have a full um, tank of gas, so all right. you know, <laughs> we're good. Uh, no, I mean, 2010 was a very different time, I think, for that. You know, I, I think, first of all, everyone on the planet was starting a food blog. Yeah. Um, everyone that owned a camera and had eaten a meal um, yeah. thought that they would put that on the internet. And all three posts were great. It, right, exactly. Yeah. All, updated three months apart. Yeah. Um, so <laughs> no, I always get that one message. Sorry, guys. I've uh, been, and you're like, nobody's missed you. No, that used to make me nuts. <laughs> Nobody noticed that if, you were gone. If you're taking the time to write a, like, sorry, yeah. I have an updated post, just, it's just, just you're done. You're done. Um, so no, I think, you know, we always did try to, you know, I think we, I think we got in this mindset that we were actual journalists, which we were not, um, by any stretch of the imagination. Yeah, but look at people who were actual journalists for certain papers that will remain unnamed. 
I think what we were doing is just as good as what they were doing. I think that the quality of our writing and, and photography was on par with any with anything else at, at, out there at the time. Um, and so, no, we, we did always try and, and treat it seriously. I think, you know, part of the reason I stopped doing it, um, I mean, it's kind of a long story too, but I, I uh, it was hard to, I don't know, I don't know quite what I want to say here. I, it was hard to take myself seriously and speak with an authority having never actually been in a commercial kitchen before having, you know, I found myself in this weird position of like being critical of places, having no real notion of like what they were going through on the line night after night. Um, and then they've got some smart alecky fucking kid coming in and being like, mm, I don't like the way the cheese was melted. And I now that I'm kind of on the other side of that know how I would react to that as a restaurant owner. Like who is, you know, who is this? Um, and so I think there was a part of me that, that, really wanted to kind of put my money where my mouth was. And like, after spending a couple of years, you know, writing and writing and picking things apart and being perhaps needlessly critical of places, um, it was time to figure out if I could show up and get it done, you yeah. know? Um, and now you have that aspect between the, you started, uh, you went with the other um, thing of the time, the food truck yeah, at the time. Sure. But that actually <laughs> transitioned. Uh, into this space we're in now. No, you know, it all felt so innovative at the time. And now yeah. looking back on it, it's, I'm just such a walking cliche. It's insane. <laughs> Malcolm, um, the walking. Now we get into the non-complimentary part. <laughs> oh, yes. That brings yeah. me to page two. Yeah, of my yeah page two. Malcolm, <laughs> things I don't like about you. <laughs> um, um, but no, we, you know, and you and I had teamed up on a couple of things. I mean, I, one of one of my favorite memories of, of you and I is being just blind drunk in your house like watching YouTube videos because yeah. we we decided we would do a collaboration where we went and ate chicken wings right in a bunch of places and about three places in we we're both kind of like drunk and just like fuck it let's yeah. just eat some wings we went to like we went to like Buffalo Wild we Wings had a, we had Bingas. six places that yeah. we were gonna hit Bingas, Buffalo Wild Wings and Samuels and I think Saigon there was like yeah we had a, a I can't remember the other two yeah um, and we made it but it was the kind of thing where we were like I mean, nobody really took any, you know, we were just at that point drinking. Yeah, we went back to the house and... No, we were hammered and yeah. full. Yeah. And I don't think we ever actually turned it into a blog post. Oh, no, we absolutely did not. Like, we didn't... And I knew it, actually, when we got back to my house, I'm like, this night is not... It's this just, is, we're just going to have fun. This collaborative yeah. blogging yeah. effort is not Let's go watch anywhere. Epic Meal Time. That is what we did. And yeah. I, think we I think we called my now ex-wife over and, like, made her come and be a part of it. Yes. Like, it was... It turned into a who, whole thing. Who was, yeah, not as... It's hard to really enter into that situation. No. And get, she did not think we were as hilarious and charming as we did at that, at that stage. Isn't that just usually the case, That's though? kind of, yeah. That's why you don't bring people in late in the, in the no. game. Like, they have to be there from the beginning. They can come pick you up. Right. But then it's a quick exit after that. And I that, have to actually right. give her some credit for, for trying to jump into that situation. Yeah. You know? Well, trying well, to hang in I don't think we'd there. ever hung out before. So I was like, right. and I'm like, this is the intro to me. Right. <laughs> and that was in your like, just drinking 14 bottles of wine at a time. I mean, well, you, you were in yeah. a real strange like, yeah. wine place and at I'm that like, point. I, I need a, I need a, you know, like a gentleman, I'm a, chase, a chaser of Jameson. That's right. That wine, you know? Ay, ay, ay. Ugh. Yeah. I mean, and I'm not going to say that that phase, it may have ended a little bit recently, but that phase went for a long time. I feel like, so here's <laughs> the thing that I enjoy about you and I. You, I was thinking about you the other day and realizing that we have now been friends for 11 years, which is 
not an insignificant amount of time. Um, But we have this friendship that is really my ideal, wherein we don't see each other for two years, three years, and then we just hammer at each other for about three hours. (laughs) Yeah. Um, and talk, 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 talk. And then we go our separate ways. Yeah. And everything, everything is great. Yeah. <laughs> and man, those are the easiest ones to maintain, those relationships. Uh, I remember one of the last times, um, the time before last, we went to the, had the, the not to be named the fried chicken that was yeah. not so much. Yeah. <laughs> was, uh, do you not, do you not name the places you're talking about? Do you? Oh, I just don't bother. Yeah. I, I was saying, actually, it's funny. We bring this up. I just brought it up with Rob Adams. Like, I'm very much of the, if you don't have anything nice to say, either just say it anonymously, you know, don't, I don't really bother calling people out unless I really don't like them. And that's really where I ended up as a, as a blogger too, you know, and, and, and some of my post from away blogging experiments, I, you know, I had a blog for a while that was like basically just covering the minutia of fast food. Um, because it's victimless, right? Yeah. You can you can completely brutalize someone on the page, and it doesn't completely. make any difference. Completely agree. Um, and you can you have free reign. Yeah, nobody's feelings are getting hurt. No, you can be as caustic and clever and funny as you want, and it makes no difference to anyone's bottom line. The couple of times that I was critical of a place on From Away. Um, I would hear from the owners that were just like, yeah. dude, what are you doing? And I, yeah. <laughs> I would go, Oh no. Yeah. Um, and so you kinda, have a message from like, oh, yeah. yeah. Um, it was actually, uh, palms tie palm wrote me from, from palms and was like, dude, what didn't you like about your food? And You're I like, thought, well, did you oh, read it? Like, <laughs> well, I wrote, I wrote what I didn't like about the food. I know, yeah. but like yeah. people are affected. Well, oh, this is, that's, this that's was not bad. what I bargained for. I feel like it wouldn't be that way anymore. I feel like that was the era when I worked in a restaurant in like 2006 and seven, where like literally if somebody, anybody, whether it's John Golden or fucking whoever, would say something negative about the restaurant, the owner would actually change the menu wow. based on what that person said. Wow. And I think that even when the, it's like, it took a long time for restaurant owners to get used to the fact that people were going to talk about them whether they like it or not. Right. And it may be, may be positive, maybe negative, And you have to like, I mean, obviously, you know, I mean, you don't really want to read like if you have two thousand reviews of something, you don't really want to read them. Like, yeah, because no, it's true. You know, the veil of anonymity gives people this, you know, sense of entitlement. Yeah, and it's like you can't, and the, and it's hard not to get riled up when you when you read it if somebody's like extra, really, really ignorant. You know, yeah. but I mean, if you go after them, you're just opening a can of worms. You absolutely that's what can. they want you to do. I mean, that still exists in the Yelp era that we have now, and I mean, I like. I, my girlfriend teases me because I, you know, in spite of getting, you know, generally pretty high marks for this place, you know, there are the outliers that don't like you, don't like what you're doing, think your food sucks and want to take to Yelp and, and write all about it. Yeah. And I tend to absorb that criticism way harder, you know. But I don't think that makes you, I mean, I think a lot of people are, are like that. I mean, I mean, I will hear 50 good things and it's the one bad thing that just cripples yeah, me. I think but, that's completely natural. But what I've realized you know, since the time I was writing a food blog is, um, and I think I was as guilty of this as anyone else, you know, the, the Yelp reviewer that trashes your stuff, it really has nothing to do with you. It's really his way of affirming his knowledge of a thing. Yeah. Um, and you're not even really connected to any of that. Right. It's like, like if you read the four agreements, you can yeah. find out all about, you yeah. know, it's like people who say people who insult you or whatever, like it's not about you. It's, it's more about their like, shit. It's more about asserting this idea that that you know better. 
you right. know, and it's the same. I mean, you and I have had this conversation about about people pretending to hate McDonald's, um, you know, and we, we've talked about Fucking. we've talked about this at length. No one. Listen, it's impossible. No one hates McDonald's. It's not a thing. Uh, but yeah. there's a certain segment of people that like want to make sure that, you know, that they know better. Right. Right. Whereas you and I are willing to say, yeah, no, it's fucking garbage and but it tastes right. delicious and who cares right. we and don't care if you eat it like you're, you're perfectly people will be like I don't eat a McDonald's anymore it doesn't make me feel good well that's fine right but like sometimes I'll post like on an Instagram story I remember I posted like a, a McGriddle and like three people sent like like cry faces yeah like sad faces and I'm like but they need you to know that they yeah. know a thing and it's way more about that than it is about what you're producing or the environment that you're building or any of the things that we try and do as restaurant owners, you know? Um, and once you kind of realize that, I think it's, I think some of that criticism rolls off you a lot more easily. It's yeah. really got nothing to do with you. you well, it's were- actually funny because it's almost the whole premise of, um, I've been on a big Michael Keaton kick lately because right. he's delightful. Um, <laughs> I just love Michael Keaton and I don't know what it is. I watch like Spotlight and The Founder a lot. I don't know why. Yeah, the Founder's Very great. different movies. Yeah, um, for sure. Yeah. But uh, well, The Spotlight's funny because actually that, that was, I know it's not really funny, but um, one of the primary people in that father, Talbot, uh, who they like name Chevrolet where I went to high school, they show his picture. Yeah. Like he was my English teacher. Like my senior yearbook was dedicated to him, which is kind of amazing. He didn't choose me. Right. Kicked the shit out of him. Right. <laughs> he was a little man. You know, it, it wouldn't have panned out. Um, but anyway, I don't know where I was going with that. But yeah, his character, Ray Kroc, you know, is very much of that, like, I don't care what you say. Like, yeah. You know, it, he's just ruthless. He's yeah. like, you know, I'm going to do what I want to do. Yeah. And if my competition is drowning, I would go over and put a hose in their mouth. Right. Like, right. And, well, and, and Kroc never made any bones about the fact, like, he never, uh, you know, his his vision was in efficiency consistency. I mean, those were, those were the hallmarks that built that company. He didn't, he didn't think he was an artist. Like that was not, that wasn't even part of the fucking discussion. Like it was all about, you know, building disposable workforces of teenagers, getting them to churn out the same exact thing every single time. And listen, I, we could all, we could all take something from that as a lesson. You know, I've been from, from every place I've worked, like if there's one thing I try and drill into my team, it's it's consistency. Like people have to have the same experience every time they come. Here. Once you have a shitty experience, you're gonna it's gonna be a much longer period before you go back to the place. Yeah, and maybe not even on purpose, just subconsciously. Yeah, like you're just not gonna. But when, when you know a place like Tucasa, like we talked about earlier, like yeah. you know every time. Yeah, it's gonna be exactly the same. So when you're craving that, yeah. You know, like it's going to be spot. There's nothing worse than like going to a place where I knew and be like, I had the best steak and cheese sandwich and you bring people and it's just so lame. Right. The second know, time, you know, and you're know. like, how is this the same restaurant? Well, and two Casa is one of those places where you trust them. And it's a, and it's a thing that I've always had as a goal for this place. Because listen, I'm, you know, I, I told you, I grew up right down. I grew up five houses that way. I now live three houses this way. This is very much a return to my old neighborhood. Yeah. And I'm not doing anything here on our menu that um, is going to set the world on fire culinarily. But it's also stuff that has not previously ever been done here. Mm-hmm. Um, and all I've ever wanted in this business and where I think I'm finally starting to land is that people are trusting that if I'm making it, it's probably going to be pretty awesome. Like, even if it's something they've never heard of, never had. um, They know you're not going to serve it. If you're going to taste it. Right. And if it's not good, you're not going to serve it. And I think, I think getting that level of trust in your customers is kind of 
is kind of the holy grail of this whole business. Like just getting them to have that confidence in you. Yeah, especially with a small business like this, totally. you know, like yeah. in a small town. Yeah. You know, it's not like you're in the mall. No. I've got, I've got, you know, during the winter, I've got a, a potential customer pool of 3,000 people. Like if I fuck up, there's no, there's no like next person in line to come in. Like it's a really small group yeah. that I have to treat really well. And they, and yeah, I think once they have that bad experience one time, you've lost them. Plus if you really love to cook, I mean... You want people to like your food. Yeah. I mean, that's kind of the whole. That should be the more whole than deal. me liking my own food. Like, <clears throat> yeah, I try getting these crazy cooking. I live alone, but it's like I'll still get in, into some pretty involved projects for myself. But it's not nearly as satisfying as like cooking for other people. Do you eat your own food still at this point? Yeah, but I, when I'm when it's me, just cooking because of the you know pandemic and everything. So it's like extra time of you know cooking a lot for myself, and it's like I'll fall into these like really kind of annoying patterns. I'm doing a lot of the same kind of food because I know I can pretty much do it in my sleep. Right. Like, you know, I'm going to make rice. I'm just going to whatever, th- throw a bunch of vegetables in this pot, you know, cook the rice in the fat, put some meat in there, throw some stock in there. That way I can cover it. Yeah. You know, Alexa, play corn. I don't know. <laughs> you know, <laughs> while I do this yeah. shit, you know, um, and it's, you know, and it's because it's just, I don't think you can help. If you're living in this day and age right now and you don't have a life that feels a little bit like a, just a constant pattern. I'm very envious of you. Oh, absolutely. No, we're all locked into some sort of pattern or another. I mean, I was saying before we before we started here tonight, my entire universe, you know, has has shrunk to this town. I mean, this this place that as a teenager, I couldn't wait to leave in my rearview mirror. I mean, I live in the um, town I grew up in too now. You are my I, I now I I never leave here. I go from my house to here and back and forth and, you know, occasionally to Hannaford for something I've forgotten. Um, but this has really become my whole universe in the last couple of months, which feels very strange, but it would still be that even if there weren't a global pandemic. It's true. Yeah. I think that one of the things I used to really say about, you know, making the choice to, to build a life here in Maine is that you, first of all, it has to be a choice. You have to, you have to decide you want it every single day. Um, and man, it doesn't hurt to be able to, to pull the, escape hatch every now and again and get out of here. Um, no. and we just haven't been able to do that. Yeah. That's the hardest thing about this. I think in general for a lot of people, it's just, you know, if you leave at this point, there's a lot of procedures yeah. that you're no, going to have to go through. <laughs> like you're going to have not a very fun vacation. Yeah. You know, unless you really like being inside for two weeks. And, yeah, no, it's totally true. Um, even though you're, that's what you're kind of doing at home anyway. Well, and, <laughs> and we have, you know, we're very lucky to live in a, in an area, you know, my kids go to the same school I went to, which is crazy. Um, that is kind of crazy. It's really crazy. It's crazy to me that like my kids are going to grow up with this same like common set of memories of childhood that I have. Is like, there a lot of the same teachers still there? Uh, no, I'm old enough now that most of those, most of them have retired, but you know, the, the weird, um, storm drain that I used to play in under the street, <laughs> I showed them that the other day. Um, and so that's a really crazy concept that like, we're going to, we're going to have these same sets of memories. Well, they're like that. We're um, not going to play in a fucking storm drain. Well, no, that's right. Like what you would that's do. That's the yeah. other thing, right? <laughs> we have phones it's now. It's not 1983 <laughs> yeah. anymore. Yeah. We don't have to make our own fun anymore. We have a phone. No. And it's, and, and of course all that shit's real frowned upon. I'm constantly trying to get them to like leave Yeah. because <laughs> when I was a kid, I, you know, I left the house at nine in the morning and I came back at five o'clock at night. Yeah. And like, like when you had to come back for dinner or whatever, yeah. and that was the, the deal. And they don't have any interest in that like they're not they're just a, it's, a, it's like it's hard to really understand and I'll, I'll be honest that's why i don't have kids i don't have to understand it yeah uh which is nice it's kind of a luxury um and actually it reminds me all this reminds me of 
as far as, you know, the comfort food I'm making, the kind of what things that establish trust and use your, your American chop suey recipe that's actually yeah. in your cookbook. You can I have still some find in the case right now, by the way. Oh, it's, I, I, mean, I, I put I, it on the menu this I've week. Made it, I, I've made that probably 20, 25 times. That's and awesome. so, you know, it's like one of those things, like I love like Jersey diner style American chop suey. Yeah. And I think the key is like the cinnamon yeah, totally. in there and you have like the hot sausage, you know, it's like so different from what I grew up on, which was very bland. Yeah. Um, Tomato soup and elbow macaroni. Is right. The, is and it was a go to recipe. Yeah. And it was like, okay, this is like, it's just basically like a less interesting spaghetti and meatballs. Right. But, you know, your, your chop suey is amazing. And, um, and it's like, you know, you like simmer it for an hour. I mean, it's like a, it's yeah. a deal. And then I, I love, but like, I love how you can, in a recipe, you know, have this amazing consistent recipe that's absolutely delicious. Then also reference both like Huffy Bikes and Russian Attack, the <laughs> NES game in the yeah. same in the same paragraph. Yeah, I think our food blog was only like very tangentially related to to food. I yeah. mean, it was really just. In but the, I, it was like right in my wheelhouse. <laughs> I'm like, I had a Huffy White Hawk. Yeah, which was pretty cool. So I had the dirt dog. Yeah, with the, with the spatter paint on it. <laughs> I think my trapper keeper looked like that. I think I might have had the dirt dog trapper keeper. Um, but by the, I went. I was very a purist with my Huffy. White. It was just, I went white. Yeah. You know, like like uh, like Don Johnson's Ferrari, <laughs> yeah. as I like to say. <laughs> Um, yeah, the White Hawk. Now it's the thought of riding a bike makes me think I'd die. Um, yeah. <laughs> I feel like my heart would explode. I bought one. So my kids are riding bikes. So I bought one last summer. And I think, first of all, it's too big for me, which makes me feel almost like, <laughs> like I'm on like an old timey yeah, bicycle the, the, with the a giant with front the big tire. Wheel. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Why would um, anybody ride this shit? And yeah, <laughs> I'm like, what do we do? Like, I understand that it's part of my job to make sure this is a thing that you can do, but I don't want to do this. Like, mm-hmm. uh, you know yeah. what the worst is? What's that? Couples on tandem bikes. Oh my god! It's like you can't get enough of yourselves together that you can't even ride separate bikes. It's so precious, isn't it? Like, <laughs> like you like being around each other so much that you can't even ride separate bikes. <laughs> like you have to ride the same goddamn bicycle together. Yeah. What is that? Take a minute. Yeah. Like what? Sake. Who is like, hey babe? Got a tandem bike. It's what, Sunday. What do you say we take it for a spin? <laughs> yeah. And everybody in town mocks us behind our back and relentlessly makes fun of it's us. It's hard for me to imagine. I mean, my girlfriend is a nurse. She works nights. Um, I'm completely consumed by this place in spite of trying to open it under a model that would keep me from being consumed by it. Um, and it's it's hard for me to imagine where anyone gets time to do anything really anymore. Like, I, I don't... Like, I, I feel like she and I barely see each other. You know, she's she's arriving at home in the morning and going to bed while I'm leaving. Um, and so the notion that anyone would have time to get on their tandem fucking bicycle <laughs> together is astonishing to me. Yeah, and I'm picturing it, and I don't know, it doesn't have anything to do with it, but every time I see somebody on tandem bicycles, all that goes through my head is, let's go fly a kite. <laughs> yeah, exactly. It doesn't have anything to do with bikes, but I'm just picturing, I'm like, if you guys were flying a kite while riding this bicycle, it wouldn't be out of place. No, why like not? If you just had a kite going in the back, like a, almost like a parachute, like, you know, like a slowing them down a little yeah, bit, exactly. just a kite. I mean, that, that's the way to do it. What were we talking about? How did we? I told you this is where I was going to go. We haven't even got to anything that I wrote down because I I just wrote all this stuff just for no for no reason. So recently, I was turned on to uh, a a bourbon that is actually it's incredibly interesting. It's really unique. It's like nothing anything else ever had. It's called Legion. Okay. Uh, It is a collaboration between essentially Booker's and Suntory. 
basically the distillers from wow from and mix uh, big names yeah from both and they actually age it in sherry and red wine casks so it's really cool it has you know a lot of the you know the a lot of depth a lot of uh, kind of complex fruity notes in the finish uh, when they asked me to do a cocktail uh, with this bourbon. I didn't really want to mess with it too much because like, you know, what am I gonna do? Like a, like a bourbon sour with this, yeah. like, you know. People, you don't these, wreck it, These right? two like master, you know, still come together and. Put some grenadine in there, it'll be great. <laughs> right, I'm like, you know? hey, your product is really good. <laughs> Let me go ahead and ruin it with a bunch of stuff that won't make it taste like bourbon at all. Right. So it being a bourbon and actually, in the fruity kind of characteristics of it, it's very mellow and easy to, you know, easy to sip, I, I would just, drink it on its own. I don't really like things in my alcohol generally, but if I do, one of the drinks I do enjoy a lot is a mint julep. So, because when you when you drink a mint julep, you get that sort of like, you you get the silver cup and it's almost like a snow cone. Sure. And you like put your face, it's like a big bunch of mint, you put your face in the mint while you're tipping it back. So you're getting like the bourbon and the mint and the, and the, the, the simple syrup at the same time. So I wanted to do uh, a sort of play on that with Japanese influence. So I decided to, to do a, a mint julep, but with shiso okay. uh, instead of mint. So shiso's got a slightly, it's not, it's a really almost like floral, it's a really interesting aroma, yeah. uh, shiso. So uh, and that, and then also uh, making a, a simple syrup with uh, palm sugar. Okay. So altering the flavor profile a little bit there, but again. Nothing that's gonna hit you over the head. And, and nothing and that's gonna, wreck it. right, nothing that's gonna mask the bourbon, you know? So basically what you do, if you were so inclined, so you muddle a little bit of shiso and a little bit of mint with the, uh, the simple syrup in your, uh, opulent silver cup, uh, you know, and the, the beauty of this drink is you don't have to have a funny hat, right? You know, it's, it's for all, all, all year round, you know? Uh, so basically you muddle that up and then you want to add your bourbon and kind of give it a mix and then add crushed ice. Uh, and basically at this point you want it, you, you know, you want to keep stirring and adding the crushed ice, um, until it's basically feels like a snow cone. Uh, and then you want a few dashes of, uh, Bitters, you know, Angostura is gold standard. Yeah. But I mean, there's so many kinds of bitters out there now, especially in, in Portland alone. I mean, what is like five local companies sure, making a, yeah. an array of bitters. But again, I like the, the the flavor of the traditional Angostura because we are, and that's just naturally complimentary to bourbon, yeah. as we know. Uh, I think, again, the whole point of this is doing something that, that adds a little bit of interest, but I mean, the bourbon by itself, uh, with so much put into it, it just seems like a shame to you know, to yeah. bulldoze it. So, uh, so yeah, you want to dash it with a little bit of the bitters and then get a nice, make yourself a nice little bouquet garni of uh, mint and shiso and sort of stick that in the side. So it's kind of, you know, like yeah. a plume, like a peacock, Sure. you know? And a lot of people will use like a, a metal straw to drink this that's traditional. Uh, I personally like to put my face right in the herbs. <laughs> I like to put it right up and I tip it right in so I'm like, so, so I, you're breathing I inhale, in. I'm breathing in the herbs, but I'm tasting like the slightly sweet and the bourbon. Yeah. Um, really nice combination. And I think, I thought that would be a, uh, a nice way to sort of represent uh, Japan and Kentucky, which how many times are you going to say that? Yeah, it's true. I mean. Not, not traditional bedfellows, those two. Um, so yes, Legion Bourbon, uh, check it out. Uh, like I said, you could just pour yourself a tumbler and that'll be just fine. Your night's gonna um, improve immediately by at least, uh, I would probably say, if I had to guess, 38.7% uh, uh, is the, probably the improvement rate, okay. generally. Uh, then if you make this cocktail, I mean, 
that's a party in a glass. I mean, anybody around you, it's just going to be like, everybody's outfits are going to change. Yeah. Like it's going to be a whole thing where like the record stops and something more upbeat comes on. Maybe somebody comes in with a white suit and just like flicks goldfish a- Goldfish shoes. Maybe, oh, not the goldfish shoes this time, the okay. white suit and they're going to flick a dime from across the room into the jukebox. Oh my God. You know what I'm talking about? Yeah. That's right. The downside is you're going to have lots of strangers sticking their heads in your florals though. That's like, true. I, Nobody necessarily needs lots of people up in their florals. Not, not in today's environment. Yeah. So when you make this, you know, sip it in private. Yes. You know, don't let people know what you're doing because they're all going to want some. And uh, this is best enjoyed. This is for you. Treat yourself. Legion Bourbon. If you are uh, a resident of the Southern Maine area or visiting Maine uh, and are near Scarborough, which is actually, uh, especially if you're on your way to Funtown, um, this is, you know, it's perfect. It's right near Funtown and Aquaboggin, uh, which are two destination, you know, Maine summer destinations, is the uh, Dunstan Tap and Table restaurant. And it's actually really cool. It's like, it's, it's in this sort of, new development so it's like it's built in the middle and essentially there's like a town being built around this restaurant it's kind of amazing wow. um it's a really cool development but uh friends of mine uh, they used to own a restaurant in portland called Shays, and really just hits all like i said we've been talking about a lot of comfort food yeah. today and I, again I, I talk about how i don't shut up about their wings but i mean you know they're everything from like a warm pretzel you know Mussels, um, everybody does poutine, but it's all, you know, poutine's fine if it's, if all, it's a sum of its parts, right? right? Exactly. And they do a little bit of Italian sausage in there too. Oh, wow. Add some mystery. And we were talking about, we like mystery added Italian to Italian sausage, like with a traditional beef gravy? Uh, pork belly sauce? Italian sausage, yeah. Pineland Farms huh. cheddar and okay. bacon. All right. It's definitely one that's, uh, you might want to have on its own. Yeah. I don't think you're going to need an appetizer right. for dessert. Yeah, that is, that I, is your meal. And I suggest when you order it, you eat it very slowly, mm-hmm. you know, and just gauge how everything's happening. But it is delicious. <laughs> <laughs> you know, it's, uh, it's not spa food, but it's really tasty. Um, they have a really delicious uh, wood-fired pizza. Uh, recently, I tried the uh, Fratti Avalo, which is a red sauce pizza with uh, mozzarella, pepperoni, uh, pickled jalapeno with olives, and Szechuan peppercorn and honey. So really cool, like they, yeah. you know, they're the combinations. They aren't like jumbled, like you know, '90s style combinations right. which you and I know about. Like they sure. make sense. No, there's some thought behind it, yeah. for sure. And they're delicious. And obviously, you've got your traditional burger. They've got you know more of a, a full plate, you know, entrees like lasagna. But then they also do uh, the veggie burger with the Impossible Burger. I think it's cool that now. It's the veggie burger category on the menu. Yeah, has the impossible the imp- patty on. Listen, it. I think it's great. I, I love the impossible burger. Yeah, um, I just don't have any bones about eating meat at all. So I, right. you know, we eat everything. <laughs> it's, it's just not necessary for yeah. me. I like um, everything but frozen peas, as you know. Yeah, I don't prefer those. Uh, cool thing about the restaurant is it's very spread out. You know, airy. So in this day and age, obviously, you want to be able to have the distance. Full bar. Um, I usually do my usual white wine and, and tequila. That's the. That's what a classic combination. That's that's that is. what a, that's what a, a, that's a, what a man does. That's what a classic northern <laughs> gentleman would do when he walks in. So you know, if you order that combination, they'll they'll know where you heard it because I'm the only one that actually uh, uh, drinks like that. So Dunstan Tap and Table is located at Six Stewart Drive uh, in Dunstan Crossing in Scarborough, Maine. Uh, their number is 207-219-8024. Check them out at Dunstan 
tapandtable.com. Getting back to McDonald's. Yeah. Um, so you are, okay, you have also opened a lot of doors for me with McDonald's. Now, when I was a kid, I never really ate the filet fish. My mom would order it occasionally. So I'd have a bite. Yeah. I remember being like, okay. And you did this like, and then it was just like from then on, I was like, you know, either sausage muffin with egg or, you know, QPC, you know, keep it pretty basic. Um, you, you introduced it's quarter pounder with cheese to the for lay, those, for the yeah. lay person. Um, you, uh, I mean, I know what you're talking yeah. about, but we, God, have we, to, we have to consider. I don't think we should be so insider yeah, here. We're I mean, really please, throwing so people, you know, yeah. uh, you know, DQPC, obviously, <laughs> you know, you, you could probably guess. Um, so I had like, and so two things you did, a, you did like a, a fast food fish sandwich roundup. Yeah. And it was like Burger King, Wendy's, uh, who else? Arby's. McDonald's, Arby's. Yeah. It was every place I could get to from Portland, basically within, is you that, know, Is that, is that all of them, though? Would there be any more that would have... I think that's all I of them. I think that was all of them. Yeah. And the, the margin between the filet of fish and every other sandwich, it was like... Dramatic. Every sandwich was like one star. filet of fish was like seven stars. Yeah. It's... Uh, so, look, there are... There are fast food places that are using better pieces of fish that are using better buns that are, but, but the filet of fish and my God, when I think about how much of our lives you and I have spent discussing the filet of fish, I mean, it's, it's a so, little insane. You do. You got me back into it. It's now. a it's little like insane I, yeah. that we're now committing it to like a recorded thing, but, yeah. um, comes full circle. It is one of those things that is just so much greater than the sum of its parts. You know, it's, it's a half a slice of American cheese. Strange, right there. <laughs> yeah, right. Like I don't know where that. <laughs> Even got the made. cheese to begin with on the sandwich is, is already, sort of, yeah, yeah, controversial. Um, widely varying amounts of tartar sauce that range from you know a tablespoon <laughs> yeah. to a quart to, uh, <laughs> to ends up all over the front of you in your car first bite you take, yeah. dripping down your um, arm. But I think I think it's that steamed bun, man. I think all of a sudden it all just fuses together into this little pillowy, steamy, vaguely fishy thing. The only um, sandwich McDonald's does with a steam bun. I know. And it is, yeah, so like I said, it's I, I, had, I had one based on reading your write-up of it. I'm like, holy shit, this is... Because I've probably talked about it on this show a lot, yeah. and it's nice for people to know where that all came from. <laughs> like, obviously, I've been going to McDonald's my whole life. The one thing I miss a lot is the cold apple danish. That was one of my favorite things yeah. for breakfast. Um, but yeah, you kind of like changed that now. I do have some. I made it okay to to love to like play the play. Oh, thank yeah. goodness! If I there's one it. thing I've yeah. contributed, by God, I do have some nits to pick. Uh, do you? I feel like you had a, a litany of of different mods you can do. Okay. And I don't know how much you can actually do those mods. I okay. feel like you're gonna really throw people into like you had you were like oh ask for the quarter pounder on the steam bun or ask for. So I was gonna say you can get any sandwich made on a on a, on the steamed bun. Yeah. I don't typically want to be that kind of customer <laughs> is, my, right. is my problem. Right, right. Um, you know, if I can get McDonald's to make me something that like is fresh and hot and ready to go, I mean, as you know... Well, if you do one mod, you're going to get fresh food. Yeah. Well, I, you know, I've heard that. I actually just recently read that the greatest trick, because everyone knows the whole like, you know, ask for fries without salt and then you'll get fresh fries. No, you just ask for fresh fries and tell them you're willing to wait a minute and you'll get yeah, it. And you, you go to that little spot dick. and they come out. You don't and... have to trick anyone. You can right. just ask them, you know? <laughs> um, and so, yeah, I think, you know, so the, the post you're referring to, I think was a paid thing I wrote for LA weekly. It LA was. weekly had a really great food blog and it was one of those things where the editors were like, 
well, we hear that there's like <laughs> hacks that you can do. Yeah. And I was like, oh, it's God. not in and out, dude. <laughs> and, yeah. And also it's, it's not a hack. Like it's, <laughs> you know, for God's well, sake. what's the difference between the, there's like a round egg and then there's a, there's another egg. So there's the folded egg or the round egg. <laughs> the uh, folded egg is on the McGriddle, right? The folded egg is on the McGriddle. Yeah. Um, I, you know, I would argue that putting asking for a round egg will upgrade any of your breakfast, sandwiches. especially the McGriddle, because that eggs really taste like styrofoam. No, those folded eggs are weird. Yeah. Um, and the round eggs, believe it or not, are like cracked and cooked in house. Like they seem like they are coming out of a sleeve and microwaved. No, they right. actually are. They cooking taste those like eggs. a boiled egg. Yeah, which is yeah. fine. You know, they <laughs> do. Um, now I you thought of it that way. Yeah, it's a big flat. It's like if egg. you had a giant. It's like if you had an ostrich egg and boiled it and like yes. cut a slice out of it. Yep. That is what you. That have. is what you get on that sandwich. Now you also talk about, uh, and this was in something else, but you were like the ten twenty five burger. We were like, if you order at ten twenty five, yeah. you can get all these options. Now, that's not true because I ordered. I was at McDonald's probably two months ago, and it was ten twenty eight right. or twenty seven, I think. And I tried to order a QPC mm-hmm. with Mac sauce, yeah. sub Mac sauce. It's like a it's like a single Mac yeah. basically. It's pretty delightful. Yeah. Um, so I order it, and she's like, we're still doing breakfast. And I'm like, fine, I'll have a thing. And of course, you know, the, the, by the time I pulled up through a window, it was 10.33 because I was in line. I'm right. like, it's, it, yeah, like, no, it's true. Come well, on. Well, and all-day breakfast kind of changed that. All-day breakfast, yeah. man, I mean, I, I don't think they're doing all-day breakfast now during COVID. Um, but yeah, for a while, that opened up a lot of different menu possibilities. I think the go-to there is getting... Um, a fried chicken fillet subbed into any breakfast sandwich, basically like instantly. Well, they added that to the menu. They put the McChicken as a, and I, unfortunately I tried it on the biscuit. It was like the driest sandwich I've ever had in my life. Like the McChicken patty on a biscuit, but yeah, yeah, they did a McChicken McMuffin. I think, I think in the South in particular, I think that chicken is like a staple breakfast menu ingredient. I think you can get it anytime. Um, but at the same time, if you're in the South ordering fried chicken at a McDonald's, dude, yeah, that's yeah, a problem. That's true. I mean, if you got Popeyes and yeah. Chick-fil-A. You go to a gas Coffee station bed, parking yeah. lot where you belong and gets gets you some good chicken. I'm saying, like, you yeah, know, yeah. Like, if, you're, if you're ordering, it's like it's like going to France and ordering wine at McDonald's. Yeah. You're like, you know, it doesn't. It's I, I do. I think I miss that part of this whole lockdown more than anything. I mean, it, I, we've talked about. I think some of the best barbecue I've maybe ever had in my life, I got from a gas station parking lot in Tallahassee um, from a guy that like, you know, if he if he had a spray painted sign on a big piece of plywood, that was as much marketing as he was doing. Yeah. Um, no one knew who he was. Like it wasn't, it was not in any guidebooks. What it kind of barbecue any, was it? Um, it was that weird like Northern Florida kind of cross between Kansas and Memphis where, you know, just really sticky, sweet, um, red sauce. Um, I remember that you had a choice of either sweet tea or red Kool-Aid. Those were their two (laughs) drink options. And they came in like a 40 ounce styrofoam cup. (laughs) Um, and it was a big gulp. Yeah. And it was (laughs) like probably some of the best barbecue I've ever had. And I, those kind of like little, just, Oh, let's stop and try this place. Or like, Oh, this place, you know, if you're in Florida is serving alligator, let's stop and get that. Like those kind of incidental kind of food discoveries. I really, really, really miss. Um, because they're not ironic. They're not like somebody being like, Ooh, right. You're I'm not, a, yeah. You're I'm not in doing a gas a, station. Check it out. Yeah. Like, you're not doing a bit. It's, right. It's uh, not a bit. It's, it's like, it's, it's there because it's always been there and it's popular because it's the only game in town. It's, I don't know. Um, I miss those 
finds. I miss that aspect of traveling a ton. You talk about consistency with a place like that. Like, you know, these are the kind of places that if they had an off day, there's going to be like a, a riot. Absolutely. Because people want, you know, they get addicted to that shit. Yeah, absolutely. You've had your McDonald's list. Now I'm going to kind of stay on your um, epic uh, gr- grocery store slash fast food list. There's just two I want to talk about. Okay. Um, the first one is your uh, 13 sketchy frozen burritos. Oh, my God. If I had known that at the time I was writing what would become um, the most viewed and widely read thing I'd ever committed to yeah. print, um, I would have taken it more seriously yeah. at the time. <laughs> I like, thought it was great. It I is thought it was weird funny, that yeah. that, like, I mean, that, that one post was the gift it kept on giving for that website. Like, we just got people month after month after month reading that. Um, frozen burritos. Who knew? I, don't, I haven't had a frozen burrito. I can't even remember. It's been a long time for me. Did you know I actually, based on that article... Um, there was a place, oh God, I, the guy would love me to say the name of his frozen burrito company and I totally can't remember it. He read that post and he wrote me and he said, Hey, we're looking for someone to write the copy for our boxes, um, for our new line of frozen burritos. So he paid me a couple hundred bucks. Um, I still have one of the boxes at my house and I got to write the box copy for this frozen burrito. How was the frozen burrito? It was great. He's doing a great job. God, I wish I could remember his name. Poor guy. He's never (laughs) with me as his spokesman. He's never going to get ahead. That was a long time ago. You know, that was a long time ago, but you had, I mean, I remember when I, the last time I had a frozen burrito, I think I made it in the microwave. I was like probably 15. Yeah. So it got like all the folded parts got nice and like, chewy and hard yeah. and like just shardy yeah shardy yeah. yes <laughs> there were shards of tortilla they just kind of shatter when yeah. you, when you oh, bite dude, them so <laughs> and that's always been my impression of a frozen burrito and from reading your review of the 13 it sounds like 75 percent of them are still yeah they're still largely that. that way I, I i just think that that's something i mean i don't think that's something that's really ever going to get better you can't you can't have something wet in something dry <laughs> and freeze it and then bring it back from that state in any kind of good way, you know? No, there um, has to be too much science involved. That's totally. not even food anymore, you know? No, it's- when I was in high school, the, uh, the kid, first of all, I went to high school for two years in Southern California and then two years here um, in Thomaston. Um, so I was really split. I was in Los Angeles for like my freshman and sophomore year and then here for my junior and senior year. So frozen burritos were kind of a staple of our really shitty uh, food service program at our high school. Um, and I remember I would eat one every day and I would dip it in a cup of ranch dressing. And man, it was just a little bit of heaven. You just, well, <laughs> you could really dip a lot of things in ranch dressing. Totally. And it's going gonna, it's gonna to rescue it. Makes anything palatable. Yeah. Instantly. Now, do you, I also, one thing, you know, one, one fast food chain I've never liked is Taco Bell. I don't, I, uh, I'm, I, you know, especially, listen, I signed the cross here. I, yeah. <laughs> we, we have mourned the loss of our local Taco Bell. I know you wrote like a, you literally, that's why I brought it up. You wrote a, a it was the one in Portland, right? The no, one, it was no, here. No. It was here in uh, Rockport. We had a Taco Bell. Oh yeah. It was, it was, it was a split, split by the McDonald's. Yeah. Yeah. yeah it, it was, was a split KFC. KFC Taco Bell. Yeah. You and wrote, they did away with the Taco Bell side. And I feel like you got some traction on that one too. I did. Yeah. That was a, that was another kind of you wrote a Was it a eulogy for the Taco Bell? It was. Yes. I was mourning the loss of that Taco Bell, which, which listen, it's my own fault. I didn't hold up my end of the deal and go there <laughs> nearly as often as I should have. Um, it was far and away even by Taco Bell standards, one of the worst Taco Bells I've ever <laughs> yeah. been to in my entire yeah. life. 
um, which is why I didn't go more often. But God damn it, now that it's gone, <laughs> you know, it, I didn't know what I had the I, whole what, time. What is this this evil empire that's formed between the Colonel and Taco Bell? Like, what? When did that happen? It's like, very strange. I it's my understanding that you are no longer able to buy those split franchises. They have oh. they have done away with those. Um, so they're a rare item. They're a collector's they, item. They, they are. <laughs> I mean, I think the the I think what they must have found is that in those cases, neither of them are being run particularly well. I think they they both suffer. And you know, bearing in mind, we're starting already at a at a very low bar. But what's your <laughs> what, uh, man? I. I was so tempted to say, "What's your beef with Taco Bell?" And oh boy! Look at you! Look at you! It literally, and it, like, even giving that voice just yeah. fills me with so much self-loathing. It's insane. Yeah. What's your beef um, with Taco Bell? Well, uh, the same, same as my God, I hate the same myself. Same as my beef with KFC. It's uh, the, those two things. Like before, I've even swallowed it, I already feel sick. Like they That's just a good make call. me feel, and like they aren't delicious enough to warrant. The way they make me, I don't know what it is about it. It's just like, I love Popeyes. Yeah. Popeyes is great. Yeah. But KFC, like I used to eat as a kid. And now I can't. It's like just so greasy. and like, It's so greasy. But you know what has was huge for them? And I think a, a game changer is these oil-based sauces that they're now slathering on everything. So you've oh, got a Nashville hot version. Yeah. You've got a Georgia gold version that's like a sweet kind of gold yeah. bar. Yeah. Mustardy barbecue sauce thing. Um but the tr- what you know the genius of them is they're all oil based, so you can brush them on hot chicken and it doesn't get soggy ever. Um, so you get these like crazy chemical blasts of flavor yeah. on still like crunchy chicken. And for me, that's that's totally kind of huh. changed my attitude about cake. I just like that you know that. <laughs> you know, I hate that I know. <laughs> that. I love that you know those things. You know, that's I don't ever. Okay, let's make a new rule. I don't ever want to hear myself say Watch game changer or beef with Taco Bell. <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> um, all right. I got one more to talk about here okay. before I, we, we jump off your, um, I think, delightful uh, roundups. <laughs> of You did a roundup of Little Debbie. Yeah. Uh, you, you named the top four and the bottom four. Now, before I get into what you did, you omitted the oatmeal cream pie. Why did you do that? Uh, I didn't grow up with it. It it had no. Listen, a lot of these lists come from places of nostalgia, and yeah. that just. Wasn't, I mean, granted, it does taste a little bit what I imagine cum tasting like a little bit. Dude, that's where that's the place you go with. <laughs> that? Maybe just mine. I don't know. Wow. <laughs> There's uh, like a, that weird sort of just off. <laughs> it's got a very. It's not real. It's, it's just getting worse and worse. Yeah, the, there's something about it doesn't really taste like frosting in there. No, it is. It's got that really heavy, like granulated, almost fat content. Like, it's almost like you're eating Crisco yeah. in there. No, it just for me, and I think that was another like kind of commissioned piece that I wrote. I mean, imagine that I w- once occupied a space in my life when people would pay me to write just nonsense about garbage. It's incredible. <laughs> um, and now like I have to try so hard every yeah, day. And, I know. Like, when really, <laughs> and I used to just be like, blah, blah, blah. Oh, blah. yeah, no, I totally <laughs> bought all those and ate them, definitely. Oh, yeah. No, I tried all of those things. Um, no, it just was not, um, that was never in my lunchbox. I was I was a nutty boy, a, a nutty boy. I was a nutty bar guy, like yeah. from day one, and so that always to me is going to be kind of uh, my my gold standard for nutty buddies for are snacks. delicious. What's the other one? Isn't there another like? That's right. They're nutty buddies now, and they're way bigger than they used to be. Yeah, nutter butters are the cookies that are nutter butters like are the cookies. Um, but nut, nut the little Debbie snack used to just be called nutty bars. Oh, um, now they're nutty nut, buddies. Now they're nutty buddies. <laughs> they got very friendly they over the years. So. 
Nutty Buddy is up on your list as well as Salted Caramel Cookie no, Bar. There was a summer in my life um, as a teenager where I had moved out of my parents' house and I was like couch surfing on friends' couches. And I used to sit in front of what is now the Tenants Harbor General Store. Um, and we would scrape and pool all of our pocket money. And we would usually, as a result, and this would be like all we would eat all day, was an entire bag of Humpty Dumpty sour cream and clam potato chips, which don't exist anymore, um, and, a, and a package of Nutty Bars, which we would like wow. painstakingly separate layer by layer to make it last longer. Really? Yeah. I may have some food issues. I mean, sometimes I eat, sometimes I, in my, when I was a kid, I eat, I would eat the chocolate off a Kit Kat. Yeah. And then you get the two, you get a chocolate and then you get a cookie. Oh, I do weird shit with Kit Kats. Like nobody's business. (laughs) I suck all the chocolate off so that I have like a soggy, just wafer layer. And then I eat that. When I eat a Twix, I nibble all the caramel (laughs) off like a raccoon. And then I dunk just the cookie in coffee. Like, that's fine, right? I mean, it's that's totally fine. It's, it is. If people were doing the Twix, that's what they'd be doing. Yeah. You know, you're having... I mean, are you or are you not eating a Twix Sir, right can I, what can I get you with a coffee? I'll do a black coffee light roast, please, and two Twix. Yeah, and if, if someone could them. nibble all the caramel off, that would be great. I'll take the Twix if I can get them naked. Uh, that would be... <laughs> don't dip my Twix, please. Uh, much better. No, when I... Yeah, then the sour cream and clam... Chips. I remember Humpty Dumpty had ketchup chips, like which I, as somebody who loves ketchup, still thought was weird. Um, it's a weird. That's a weird chip. I didn't yeah. really prefer it. But uh, uh, so my mom would always, you know, pack my lunch, and I never really knew what I was going to get for a snack cake. There would always be a snack cake of some kind in there. Yeah. Generally, a little Debbie. And <clears throat> Nutty Buddies were good. Oatmeal cream pies are good, but the, the, my least favorite were like the ones, the Christmas tree shaped ones. Yeah, those are those it's are bogus, dude. Yeah. Those things suck. Yeah. Like they're always they taste like stale. Yeah, and I'm like, this isn't even frosting. What is this? No, and they they the picture always showed these like layers with frosting in between, but it was never actually like uh, that. It was it was, just a, it, was yeah. it was pretty shit. Um, I think you had something. Because you listed some of the... I will agree with you on the strawberry shortcake roll. Strawberry shortcake rolls are amazing. Any kind of tiger tail. Yeah. Anything where you put... I will take artificial raspberry and any combination of that, chocolate, coconut, I'm in. Yeah, absolutely. White chocolate, fuck. I mean, if you're talking white chocolate raspberry, like I am... No, I'm in. I don't care what it is. So the next time you have a strawberry shortcake roll, I want you to do this. Take one of those. Take one of those. Everybody listening, we have a shortcake roll. Those hack. beautiful bad boys out of out of its package. You unroll it and unroll it, and then you'll end up with just a core in the middle where you yep. can't unroll it anymore. That's just like all filling and that shitty white icing. And yep. is that like the bottom of a drumstick kind of thing? It's you, totally the same thing. Yeah, I think it'd be cool to unroll the the strawberry shortcake and then put a, a lint white chocolate truffle in there and roll it back up. I think that'd and be that way incredible. you'd be. I mean, yeah, yeah, that's. I love those. Those. This is a really interesting show. If anybody is it, people want to talk about candy. You know, we have editing. That's why we have editing. So when I go off on a tangent on how much I like lint truffles, it can it can leave the show. It can it's just funny because I was just thinking, does anyone want to listen to any crests? No, no. I'm, so I'm, like I checked no. out minutes yeah, ago. It's like I don't I don't even know who you guys are uh, anymore. Um. Yeah, so little Debbie. Yeah, uh, did we talk about Banana Twins? We didn't because okay. that was one of your worst, and that was the one that I was the most kind of captivated by because it sounds fucking gross. So I love artificial banana flavoring. It is one of my favorite things in the world. Have I told you my fact about artificial banana flavoring? No, you're talking about your shower gel. Okay, well, listen, <laughs> get into that in a second. So 
I, let me explain to you the deal with artificial banana flavoring and why it's so fucking weird. Okay? okay. So you may eat like a banana runt or a banana now and later and be like, dude, this doesn't taste like bananas at all. I'll tell you why. So banana flavoring is based on the way bananas used to taste. Like in the early 1900s, there was a different breed of bananas being used. And I forget the name. Right is this true or are this you is, just making it I swear stuff. to God, look it up. It's 100% true. And what? Encyclopedia Britannica? So, <laughs> yeah. Okay, you have the full set. Good. Well, that is it um, current? No. So the deal was there was this older breed of bananas that used to be the default bananas that everyone in this country ate. Right. They were wiped out by blight. Um, we got this new kind of banana. I would have more credibility here if I could remember the names of the two different species. I, whatever, I, 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 I believe you, yeah. And so the bananas that we have now don't taste anything like the bananas on which banana flavoring was based. Mm -hmm. So because this is my favorite fact that I tell everyone I love, I told my girlfriend, of course, when we first met. So she, for Christmas this year, found some like boutique banana grower in Florida found these old no. like heritage breed bananas that are they're like the only people that still sell them what and ordered me a case of these bananas and said here you go merry christmas now you can finally taste the bananas on which banana flavoring is based and um they're fine <laughs> i wouldn't say that you know i wouldn't say they tasted like artificial bananas the best flavor in the world um, but they definitely had a way more like pronounced aggressive banana flavor than this garbage that we're stuck with now post banana blight. Yeah, you are Maine's foremost banana authority. I think that Maine's foremost authority <laughs> in just nonsense. You can change the name of your restaurant to <laughs> Banana Republic. <laughs> <laughs> Or the Banana uh, Republic, so there's no copyright. What's your beef with Taco Bell? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so I guess um, that leads me into on show, honey. So you. Opening this place, actually, I read you had a really, you've documented it really well um, as far as just the process from beginning to end. You acquired this, basically, as a small house, yeah. essentially, yeah. on a main strip and, you know, on, on Broadway in uh, Tenants Harbor. Believe it or not, <sighs> this is as good as a location gets in this yeah. town. We're at this major intersection where Route 1 kind of splits off and goes down towards Port Clyde, which gets a ton of tourist traffic in the summertime because it's where the lighthouse is. Right. Um, so people basically like, I don't know if you saw where our sign was when you were coming up. I did, yeah. But you really have to like confront that sign before you make the turn. Um, you have to slow down. You have to stop. Like, this is a hot location is what I'm saying. It's going off. <laughs> I mean, it's obviously, you had to, you know, you have to shut down a couple of days to get a, you know, yeah. breather, you know. No, otherwise, boy, it'd be run ragged. Yeah. You ever been to a TGI Fridays? It's exactly <laughs> like that. It's just... No, it's been, it, you know, I opened this place having no idea um, what people's tolerance for my particular brand of bullshit was going to be in this town. Um, and I've been really encouraged by the fact that so far they seem to be pretty into it. Yeah. Um, I really, you know, this place was, like I mentioned, you know, it's two or three doors down from where I live. It's been sitting empty for a really long time. Um, it's been the host to a bunch of different businesses. It's been a landscaping company headquarters. It's been, um, an ice cream shop. It's been an antique store. Linda Bean owns it currently and tried to sell lobster rolls out of it for a long time. A lot of people have kind of tried their hand at it, lasted a couple of months and packed up and left. I think that we kind of are, even after only a year and a half, one of their longest running tenants because um, it's it's working so far. Yeah. So basically the place was available. The rent was very reasonable. Um, my childhood best friend was kind of the caretaker for the place. He said, yeah, go in and take a look around. 
um, and really, you know, just spent some time trying to figure out how to turn what is very much a classic little Maine New England farmhouse into some kind of food service establishment. And when I signed the lease, I didn't know what I was going to do. I, I would sit down with friends and say, yeah, I think I'm going to get into this thing. And they would say, oh, what's it going to be? And I was like, I don't really know, um, but I'm going to figure it out as I go. Um, and that's really kind of what we've done. Right. You know, I, you I, fulfilled your last food cliche, which is get a brick and mortar. We went from yeah, the food truck right. to brick and mortar. That's, you know? the, that's the path. <laughs> that's what Malcolm you know? does. Yeah. <laughs> no, I, I live cliches. Yeah. That's why. Uh, <laughs> No, I had taken, so after the food truck, I had taken a job running a, a running a kitchen in like a little kind of village store. Um, right, in Rockland? In Spruce Head. Oh, Spruce Head, okay. So it was cool because they really gave me free reign to just kind of do whatever I felt like. You know, I was putting scallop crudos and shit on the menu, which no one there had had before. Um, and so that was that was a lot of fun, but it also was was a grind. It was a lot of, you know, it's like working at a maritime farm. It's like you're, you're knocking out pizzas all night, you're knocking out ham Italians right and left, and like, listen, all of which are great, but like I don't want to build a career on them. No. Um, and so I kind of burned out there and took a break and wasn't really sure if I wanted to get in the kitchen again. Um, but really opened this place as a means of scratching that kind of restaurateur's itch, um, but in a way that was going to be kind of on my own terms, you know? So we're only open half the week. Um, you know, I, I think I've, I've dabbled a lot in a different kind of ways of occupying this business, and I've tried to take everything I've learned from each one of those steps and apply it here, and, and it's kind of working so far. Yeah, so. and what's the hardest? I mean, being, you know, starting out as a dedicated and really interested, you know, passionate home cook mm -hmm. making the transition to selling food and making a lot of it. I mean, what's the most difficult part of, I mean, that was kind of the big question when I, when I started the food truck, you know, I had, I had been a, a committed and passionate home cook, as you say, I had started kind of dabbling in some cooking competitions. Um, that yeah, you were on uh, you were on the, you won one of the, the wings. Yeah, I, I, yeah, so I did this, this thing on the Today Show, but I also, I entered like a, a Lamb Council of Boston sponsored thing and took second place in that. Um, I went to the World Food Championships in Las Vegas twice and like didn't win, um, but placed like 11th out of 50 people in my yeah. category. And so started kind of getting these indications that, hey, you know, maybe like I'm actually kind of capable of doing this full time. Um, the jump from, you know, the, the thing that both cooking and competitions and cooking at home for your blog have in common is that you need to make one thing perfectly and you then need to light it and photograph it and then that's it. Yeah. And you never have to think about it again. Um, the big leap was going from that to doing like production level cooking um, while still maintaining, you know, the consistency and the quality that I demanded from myself um, at every single turn. And so that, that really, I kind of worked out in my time on the food truck, you know, where I went from like, you know, I remember trying to figure out what we wanted to do for a breakfast sandwich. I wanted to come up with something that was super addictive and like would get in your head and be a little mysterious. And so we came up with our, with our, which please breakfast sandwich. And I remember the first time I made it was in my home kitchen and it probably took me an hour and a half to make one of them, yeah. you know? <laughs> yeah. Did and you make the bun and everything? Or? No, I didn't make the bun. I used um, a Portuguese sweet roll that ah. the Shaw's Bakery was selling. And it was basically their own, like, made-up thing. Their like, own version of the Hawaiian... It King was King's very Hawaiian. much like yeah. that. It had a little tiny bit of sweetness. 
Um, and so then there was a, an over easy fried egg, a deep fried salt brined pork chop, um, and then some uh, chopped scallions. And then I forget, I think I, I think I did a hot sauce that had like some sesame oil in it just to kind of be a little bit mysterious for people. And so it was all the things, right? It was fatty, it was salty, it was sweet, it was spicy. It, like, it, you know, it was craveable and addictive. Um, took me an hour and a half to build the first one. And the leap from that to suddenly having to make 20, 30, 40, 50 at a time was really scary, you know? Yeah. Um, and took me took me some time to work out. I mean, I think you would argue that I'm still working that out to this day. Um, my first days on the food truck were just a nonstop um, array of burns and cuts. And I just, you know, I remember at one point thinking to myself, like, stop touching the fucking flat top, dude. Like, what are you doing? Yeah. Um, because I was. I was just torn up. And I was cutting myself constantly and, like, Thankfully, much of that has gone away now. I mean, you kind um, of threw yourself into the fire. I mean, your first commercial cooking job as a short order cook, which people say is one of the hardest yeah. things to do. And you're trying to fry eggs to order. <laughs> it, it, and then yeah. while you're trying to deep fry pork chops right. to order. It was, and, it was ambitious. You know, yeah. for, when I look back on the, on the first menu on our, on our food truck, I was swinging for the fences, man. And I mean, the, the food truck really never was profitable because I didn't know how to make a menu that was profitable. Most people don't in the beginning. You know, like I didn't know how to cross pollinate ingredients across items. Like I didn't know, I didn't know what I was doing. I was buying the best of everything. Um, I was killing myself on prep time. So our, when we, our first season that we opened, we had this breakfast sandwich that was available until 11. Um, For lunch, I think we had three sandwiches because I at least knew enough to like not have a a menu with 200 items on it. You know? (laughs) Yeah. But those items were, you know, there was some sandwich that had like grilled asparagus there and like pickled red onions and fresh dill. Um, the other was a, was an all belly porchetta that I would like quite illegally, I might add, um, tie and roast off at my house the night before. And then I would bring the whole thing to the food truck in the morning. And then right before service, I would throw the whole fucking thing in the deep fryer. Wow. Um, yeah, and so of course enough. the yeah. skin would like, you know, like cheat your own. Yeah. yeah. It was amazing. Um, but you're talking about like, like I was cooking my brains out, you know, for this little eight by 10 food truck that nobody cared about, you know? Um, and so I look back on, you know, I sometimes like, like this week, you know, I put American chop suey in our to-go case, and I and I think back on these times where I was just swinging for the fences 100% of the time, um, and I think figuring out how to like keep that is is one of the challenges of this business. But you also are now realizing that it's okay to balance that. Like there's like that, you know, because there's that end of the spectrum. There's the other end where I've seen restaurant people like restaurateurs open up, and they're like, after seven months, they're like, oh god. I just need to, I got to close. I've been working 40 hours a week for seven months. And you're like, <laughs> right. um, yeah. So I'm just going to be taking a break. I have somebody else just covering the kitchen. I'm out of here for a yeah. couple months. You know, I need a break. Well, that's mm-hmm. one of the things, I mean, that, that I'm still learning in this business is, is how to, I think, I think one of the faults in our model here is that it is too dependent on, on me. I think the people that are smart about building restaurants figure out ways that they can build restaurants around systems that they can plug different people into. And that usually um, isn't their first restaurant. Yes, right. Just, just by that description. Right. No, totally. Um, and I think, I think you know, what's, what's hard about this place and what beats me up here is that it's all still too much on my shoulders. Um, and so what I'm trying to do now is figure out ways 
first of all, to just trust other people. And I have a really great, really small team, but it's all people that just execute perfectly what, what what's in my head, which I love. Yeah. Um, but that's, I think that's the biggest transition point is figuring out how to, how to, how to kind of like, it's your, it's your yeah, baby yeah, yeah. and it's your name above the door and it's all those things. But like, you can't work 80 hour weeks, 52 weeks a year. Like you just can't. Um, and so figuring out how to kind of, how to fan those responsibilities out is something that I'm still, still struggling right, with. Because the food's going to suffer if you're working 52 That's the problem. Weeks, you know I mean? Well, but the food also suffers if you, if you hire, you know, yeah. some asshole heroin addict that can't keep their head out of the fryer. <laughs> Not that there's anything wrong with heroin or putting <laughs> your head in the fryer. In the Don't fryer, get me wrong. You know. Well, I saw, I mean, <laughs> when you were building this place, you uh, decided to, to, become Mr. Fix-It and you paid for that dearly with uh, getting sprayed with some ancient dust from Dude, the doorway. there's something in the walls of this place. It happened to me just the other day. Anytime I pierce the walls here, my whole face explodes. I don't know what... <laughs> I had this terrible moment where I was trying to widen a door frame to move some equipment in when we first rented this place. And it's not even like I was showered in dust or anything like that. But I noticed over the course of the day that my arms and my face broke out in these giant, like, weeping boils. Um, and I thought, dude, I'm allergic to this place that I'm renting. Yeah. Like, I can't be in here. Um, and so sealed everything up with new paint. Never was an issue again. But then the other day I was digging a hole for some, to route some cable or something. And same thing started to happen. Like my, my <laughs> eyes started to button up. Jesus. I don't know what this place is made out of other than like poison and secrets. Is it on like chicken feed or something? <laughs> you don't know. know. Is it going to get up and walk away? No, it's real no. weird. You know what would be craveable and mysterious on your breakfast sandwich uh, have you ever experimented with asbestos? That's a great idea. You know, I mean, if you a really... lot of people can't have salt. The doctor <laughs> says they can't have salt, but, but the doctor st- does not say they can't have asbestos. Right? You still want something that's going to give them that physical reaction. You know, <laughs> you know, you want some people say MSG, but like asbestos is really yeah. if you want to make an impact <laughs> on people. We used to joke this kid that worked with me on the food truck. We we were constantly kind of dialing up our our buffalo chicken sandwich. And we still serve it here. We make it with pickled habaneros, pickled jalapenos, and a ghost chili wing sauce that we make. Um, and it's great. And it's it's kind of right at that just pre-pain level where it's still really delicious. Um, but the reason this all got started is we had been talking about, you know, we had just kind of been challenging each other with the spice levels of this chicken sandwich. And we thought, all right, finally what we're going to do is we're going to serve a chicken sandwich. And right when we hand it out the window to the customer, we're also going to just punch them in the face. (laughs) (laughs) It's it's, it's making it an experience. Yeah, exactly. You know, like Like, that's what it is. How punishing can this meal possibly be for you? And uh, you like to test people's threshold. That's uh, right. And people will do anything you tell them to. I used to um, bartend these charity events called Share Our Strength. And it was cool for the first like four or five years. And by the last one I had committed to, I think it was like 2012 or something. I was just like, I don't want to do it. I'm just over it, you know? So I like show up like a half hour late. Um, I go to like my little station where it's like, Joe Riccio, and like, like, what's your signature drink? And I'm like, what? They're like, well, everybody, <laughs> has, what? A, everybody has a signature drink. And I'm like, oh. so I was basically, people were lining up. And what I was doing is I was pouring them these massive shots of Herodora and then handing them a can of Diet Coke. And being like, <laughs> what you do is you shoot this. And it was like old people too. And they yeah. would do it. And they'd be like this old lady, I remember using two hands, the whole tequila oh, went down. Amazing. And then she grabbed the Diet Coke 
And then she came back for more, like, because they're all fucked up now. Sure. Yeah. But people will do anything you tell them. You're like, oh, yeah, signature drink. I'm a mixologist. Yeah, I love it. Yeah. Here, here's some tequila right. and Diet Coke. And people were just, they will do it. No. And once they're all fucked up, they're going to walk away from that experience being like, oh, I'll tell you what, that guy really yeah. knows his stuff. Yeah. You know what? <laughs> the, the most, the drink that has the most impact on me. Yeah. You yeah. Know, it wasn't so much that drink on fire or that <laughs> right. one with the Fernet. It was the guy doing the, the tequila with the Diet Coke, I think. Yeah. I don't know. The... You know what he did is he served me a, a, a pint glass full of bourbon and yeah. it really was great. Yeah, I was like, <laughs> now this is how, this is, that's what I call a drink. That's what I do when I do a, it's how I do what I'm going to do all day. I, every time I, I don't do a lot of bartending and catering anymore, I guess for a reason. My bartend weddings, I love to like take it on me as a challenge to see how much I can just get the whole wedding destroyed. Yeah. Um, especially if it's open bar, like I'm pouring things like, you know, four, four fingers and then like a splash of mixer. And then people, again, they get drunk and they don't really know. Then they just start coming back. They don't, sure. nobody ever really complains that drinks too strong right. occasionally, yeah. you know? And it's fun at the end when like you just watch them and it's like, Sodom and Gomorrah. It's like, you know, the, <laughs> I love turning a wedding into Sodom and Gomorrah. Yeah. Uh, and just and like just kind of smugly knowing that I did that to right. all those people. I think I did one where they, they the, the, the bride like barfed and they had to carry her out. Oh people were, there was like, like a teen camp and people were hanging off the basketball hoops and shit. And like, yeah, it got rough. Let me tell you about um, the time I'm pretty sure I saved the lives of several young people. Oh. I, uh, it was the only off-site catering job we'd ever done with a food truck. And there's a place down here called Blueberry Cove. It's a really, really cool campsite operated by 4-H. Um, it's like Crystal Lake. They, do, they have summer programs. They have all these little cabanas. They also rent it out for weddings. Yeah. And so someone had commissioned us to come and be the food option at their wedding reception, right? And so I'd never like moved the food truck at that point. I'd never run it off a generator. I'd never done like, you know, it had never existed in the wild this way. <laughs> so I bring this thing down a long winding dirt road to this really cool campsite. And all these like really formally dressed, very by then heavily drunk, like 20 something kids. And uh, I had three grilled cheese options on the menu. The organizer had paid me a flat fee, so the kids were all getting to eat for free. So, of course, there was a mob of, of just just falling down drunk, like well-to-do 20-somethings. Uh-huh. And uh, so I had the front service window open on one side of the truck, and then I had the door that we used on the back open because it was hot. And so the back door was just facing this long expanse of black woods. And there was this one girl that I'll never forget that came and like sat down underneath the service window and like leaned against the truck and was just yelling up and was like, I want to, and she was asking for shit that like we didn't have. She was like, I want lasagna. And I'm like, we don't have lasagna. I don't know what you're talking about. And so finally, like we were able to, through this like kind of broken English, figure out what she wanted. I got her, I got her a grilled cheese sandwich. And you got to remember, she's in like full on wedding attire, like beautiful cocktail dress. Yeah. Total makeup, hair, the whole thing. Yeah. So I serve her a sandwich. I go back to what I'm doing on the grill, blah, blah, blah. And a few minutes go by and I look out the back now window of the food truck and I just see this girl 
wandering off into the woods with her sandwich. <laughs> and I don't know if she was ever heard from again. I don't know what became of this girl. I hope she's okay. You didn't go, you didn't... Go. I didn't, no, I didn't investigate. Listen, I, I had mean, sandwiches hey, you, to make. You know what? Listen, hey. I'm, I'm on the clock here. Well, plus, if somebody saw you do it, they could think that, you know... Ah, listen, I... Why gotta, even go there? Exactly. You can't be putting I'm yourself in I'm sure situation. she's fine. She's fine. <laughs> but I thought to myself, by God, I think I saved some lives here tonight. Because yeah, <laughs> if she went out, she wanted to the woods without having a grilled cheese in her stomach if these kids had not gotten something in their stomach <laughs> they were all going to be in hard shape yeah. for sure well you're a hero I, that's what i'm saying you know, to you today i know that you just want to be like guys i'm just a regular stop it. i was downplaying stop it. it i'm a regular person <laughs> i'm a regular person just like you are i'm not a, i am i'm not though I'm just regular just like you please stop I'm, I'm not a hero again you you like to write letters to Inanimate objects. You, uh, you okay. First a- of all, <laughs> you- I don't like to write letters to inanimate objects. Uh, well, no, explain, not accurate. Explain your dear John letter to the Amato's meatball. Sandwich. I may have at certain times in my life written letters to it, but you make it sound like after I leave here, that's what I'm going to do. Is sit, so, in, sit in my house. Who should I write? All my friends. I have nothing but friends. Who should I write to today? Um, did I write about? A ham Italian? No, the no. Me- meatballs. Oh, the meatballs. I'm going to start with that because we're talking. We're, we're talking mottos. Yeah. We're talking main cla- like main classics yeah. that people who aren't from Maine often are like, "What's the deal here?" The Amato's meatball sub is incredible. I actually worked with a kid, a former employee of Amato's, and told him of my love for the Amato's spaghetti calzone. And he said, I remember reading that you were the one. Yeah, we hate when anyone orders that. He's like, (laughs) it's the biggest pain in the ass on the entire menu because there's stuff from the hot station, there's stuff from the cold station, there's stuff from the pizza station. Like, you have to touch three different areas in the kitchen to make that. He said, just know you order the spaghetti calzone. We all hate your guts, basically. Yeah, well, you're like, it's an Amato's timpano, essentially. (laughs) That's what it is. It's listen, it's delightful. Uh, I, I stand behind that thing to this day. I don't remember the details of the meatball sub. You wrote a Dear John letter to it. You were like, was I, finally, I was breaking up with it? You broke up with it. That's hard for me to imagine sitting you here. You did. You broke up with the meatball sandwich. I worked down, so it has to be true. It's, you know, this is actually published in our book, too. This is one of the things that when I think about how weird our book is, this is one of the things I think of immediately. The fact that any publisher... I think it was in your book, actually. It is, yeah. yeah. So the fact that any publisher would look at a manuscript of ours and be like, all right, so let's see. Review of uh, Natalie's. Yeah, that checks out. Um, okay, uh, love letter to a meatball sandwich. Yeah, that should go in there. Like, what? <laughs> Are we going to cut his love letter to the fake bananas of the meatball sandwich? We should leave one of them in. He, you know he's very passionate about you know, writing letters to food. It, it was so. another. That book was another instance of someone just letting us get to do what we wanted and thought was funny. And, that and that's why really, I really cool. I like that book. I think it's like, I mean, it's, it's enjoyable to read and it's like, it doesn't have that like, oh, okay, this is definitely in, made in Maine, Maine. You know what I'm saying? Like yeah, a lot of books yeah, have yeah. that. Like it's an enjoyable book and it has a lot of great recipes in it, but the stories are freaking hilarious. It's like, weird. Like in spite of calling our blog from away, like I've never really leaned too hard on the on the main thing. I mean, we don't we don't sell a lobster roll here. I very rarely do a fried haddock sandwich. Just even by though being I love here them. though, you're sort of involved. You are. Yeah. I, I've just never, I've always been a little wary of like building your brand around that. And believe me, I totally get why people do. I don't, I don't think anyone should be faulted for it. Um, it's just never, it's never been like what we've 
kind of built ourselves well, on. Plus, you enter you know? into a realm where a very large amount of the population has a very set idea totally. of what that should be like. Yeah. So why even, you know, because right. you probably wouldn't want to just do the straightforward. You probably want to do something different. Right. And they people don't like that stuff. If you have anything other than mayonnaise and lobster in a lobster roll, for, you've lost. Yeah. Like, forget which is, it. What's great about High Roller is they, High Roller Lobster in Portland is they've able to... They've no, able they've to, proved uh, that not true, which is great. Yeah. But they're also doing it in a place that's a lot more receptive to Absolutely. that. I don't think you could get away with it's it here. It's not at like two lights. Yeah. Yeah. Or, or down on the docks here in Tenants Harbor. I mean, you right. uh, if you... I mean, I love their lobster roll. Um, I love Eventide's lobster roll. But if you presented those to locals here, they'd be like, what the fuck is this? Um, yeah. And This bun is mushy. Yeah, exactly. Um, and that's too bad, you know? And the other thing is, I, I, I've never wanted to... Um, th that food all exists here. Like, I, I don't have anything to add in that space, you know? Right. I, don't, yeah. I don't make haddock sandwiches because there are... Of the, of the three places to get a place to eat, something to eat in this town, like... Two of them are serving exclusively that, yeah. um, so I it's I wouldn't be adding anything to, right. to that. Um, I don't make hot dogs because I can't make them better than Wasses, oh and so I don't bother. You Wasses. know, like I still fry my hot dogs in peanut oil. Yeah, because of Wasses. Yeah, I like if I if I if there's something that I can't compete with, I, I don't I don't participate. I wish, I wish I wish everybody who who goes out and tries to make their own ketchup would listen to that advice. Oh, dear Lord, <laughs> yeah, making anything? condiments. Uh, these things are already made for you. Yeah. Well, and there's a thing that I think we've hit on here where we use, you know, some oddball ingredients here and there, but there's always something, and you and I have talked about this before. There's, there's something like if you, if you think of Heinz ketchup, for example, like you can make a tomato sauce that's by every measure superior to what comes out of a Heinz bottle, right? You can use heirloom tomatoes and cane sugar and, and like make, a version of ketchup that is far superior to what comes out of a bottle, but it's not going to trigger that same thing in people's brains. It's, it's a not going to hit not that. Ketchup. Yeah, and it's not going to hit those nostalgic triggers. It's not, gonna, and I think that's something that we do really well here: is we balance some kind of scratch-made oddball stuff, um, but then we always kind of pair it with something that's going to ping those nostalgia receptors in your brain. Um, you know, we'll we'll kill ourselves making like a barbecue sauce, but then we'll put a handful of crushed onions on top um, <laughs> because, like, again, people get it and it and it hits something in them chemically that I don't think you can necessarily replicate doing everything from scratch. You it's know? hard to really consider somebody pretentious when they're crushing onions on yeah. sandwiches, really. Right. At the end of the day, <laughs> exactly. so it kind of it, it saves you from because some people might take a look at this restaurant compared to you know the the, the fish shack or whatever yeah. and be like, well. They're doing Indian food there. Like, right. Well, what, is, what is that? You no, know? and I think there's, I think that that exists here. I think there are some people that have decided for whatever reason that this place just is not for them. And that really makes me sad because we have American chop suey in the fucking case right and now. you like, know what? If you're up in Tenants Harbor, I can vouch for this American chop suey. <laughs> I mean, I wanted this to be a place for everyone. And so when I see, and I can see it in customers' eyes when they come in and look at the menu and you can see them just be kind of crestfallen that there's nothing they recognize. And, you know, they've, they've probably heard good things about it from a friend or a family member. And they come in and they look at the menu and they bum out and they leave. And that is the worst feeling in the world. It's like not ever what I wanted from, from customers here, you know? Yeah. I mean, and shame the people who told. There are some people who are like, just assume that everybody likes what they like. Yeah. It's like, oh, we went to this very nice restaurant. You should go. It's wonderful. Right. We love it there. No, that like is the weirdest. Really consider who they're sending. They're just yeah. Like, oh, they're going to like it. Yeah. Now, uh, while touching on the, you know, I guess we can't talk about main food without talking about 
one of the most peculiar staples here, the Italian sandwich. Yeah. That is not a Italian. I don't know that you and I have ever had, oh, this is exciting stuff. Yeah. I don't know that we've really talked about ham Italians. What is your, what is your position on the, on the so venerable I, main, yes. main Italian? Well, I got to be honest. Like I, well, I'm really picky about tomatoes in general. Yeah. So I generally omit the tomatoes and the olives. Okay. I generally go with oil and mayo on mine. All right. Um, Controversial, but okay. Yeah, I like the ones at Amato's because I like the the roll. Yeah. Um, sometimes Pat's Pizza, but like what I really liked though, and I think it was there when you were there, was Vespucci's. Yeah, they were great. They did shredded lettuce on it. Yeah. And I loved. I thought that was so goddamn delicious. Like, but that is. But all of what you were describing, you are you are at this point creating your own sandwich. You are no longer. But describing I think the main Italian, Italian is made to be. Like, everybody has the mods on a main Italian are a staple. Like everybody, they're always like. I mean, if you look at their tickets, like yeah. every ticket is a mod. Like they're all people like their Italian sandwiches in certain ways. No pickles, no onions. Like no, like, like see, I don't mod mine ever. I want, I want the peppers, the onions. The where I where I draw class distinctions in in main Italians is has much more to do with like how the vegetables are cut. Um, to me, it's like those same staple five ingredients, and that once you start diverging from that too much, you're you're building your own sandwich at that point. Well, it's a ham sandwich. It's a ham sandwich served on a, a, a... Man, I once had a blog reader that destroyed me over email because I dared to refer to the bread on a main Italian as an oversized hot dog roll, which is exactly what the fuck <laughs> it is. Like, yeah. there's no... Right. Um, but he was he was appalled that I would describe it that way. Dude, I think that's like... That People sandwich's have biggest that characteristic. Kind of time on their hands yeah. to be appalled. Well, and it's the same person that'll, that'll be very quick to say, well... You know, I'm from Boston, or I'm from Philly, or I'm from wherever. Um, let me let me tell you what what an Italian sandwich yeah, really it's got, is. Yeah, it's got cop of coal and gabagool. Yeah, and, and it goes back to have it with a Coca Cola. It's the <laughs> it goes back to the conversation we were having about you know Yelp reviews. It's it's more just that that impulse to like make sure that other people know that you know a thing. But that's like, why I have this show to begin with. Right. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I don't, listen, I don't mean to. I mean, <laughs> it's fine. No, I mean, I get feel it. bad about Trust yourself. Trust me, I don't feel bad. No, but it's <laughs> like, I, listen, to me, like having been to Boston is not a super um, life altering accomplishment. Like, good job. So is everyone. Um, <laughs> right, you know, live in Portland. Right, right. Knowing that other things typically go on a sub sandwich, like it, you're not, does not make you special. You know, the main Italian is its own weird thing that I think can be kind of great. I mean, listen, it most, mostly what you're left with is raw onions in your, in your mouth. Um, to me, there's this kind of magic that happens after a main Italian sat around for a couple hours in the fridge, preferably. And there's something that happens chemically with the American cheese where it like almost becomes a sauce for the sandwich. Like it's not quite broken down, but it's definitely not a solid anymore. And it fuses to the bread, and it just becomes kind of its own mysterious, magical thing. Yeah. Um, and to me, it's also a sandwich that's way more about just like textures and contrasts than it is necessarily flavors. <laughs> you know, I want the crunch of this, the mush of that, the salty snap of this, um, yeah, the yeah. sourness of this. You know, like the it's pickle. The, yeah, it's funny. My mom likes to like. Order the pickles, then take them out because she likes how they make the it taste. Oh, she and likes the and flavor leave a, of the pickles. A green stain on the, yeah, on the bread. Yeah, the neon green. Yeah, yeah. And I love that um, Amato's in particular. You, you talk about too that you like Ananias and Amato's. Yeah, um, Amato's is more the. It's not really 
sometimes you can go for a long ways in this day without running into Amato's. It's not like no, it's plentiful true. as you think, but um, I love that their oil is just called sandwich oil. Yeah. <laughs> they sell it as sandwich oil. Yeah. What is it? Is it I'm soybean oil? It must be con- con- I don't, I don't know. It's not olive oil. We gotta so get if it was olive oil, they would call it olive it, oil. There's no question. It's not. It's, there's no way it's olive oil. Maybe but. it's just corn syrup. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. I Listen, I'll knock out. Like, if I go to Amato's, if I'm not getting the spaghetti calzone, if I don't have that kind of time, um, I'm going for just their classic Italian straight up, no mods every I time. I wonder what the smoke point is on sandwich oil. I'm going to... Like if I made a bolognese or something yeah. with sandwich oil, with, I mean, you know. Is there any cooking that could be done with it at That's all? That's what I'm kind of curious wonder. about. I think I should ask the people at the counter next time I'm in there to see if they know. <laughs> hey, excuse me, what's the smoke point and- on this sandwich <laughs> oil? Can I deep fry in this or is this something that's going to, excuse me, sir? You're going to get just the blankest look. Yeah. For a while, I was uh, talking about Amato so much on my blog that I developed something of a friendship with the guy that runs like you know the St. John Street location is like their yeah. corporate headquarters. That's so, a that's a big one. That's yeah, like two doors. Well, on. and it's also the Amato's that's going to be spot on every time. Like every meal there I've had has been great, um, and it's because the space above that Amato's has all their corporate guys in there banging away. So he and I were like exchanging emails for a long time, um, and I like listen. I loved it. It's too bad that you with this you missed the age of the influencer. You would have been. No, oh my God! Motto's influence. I missed my opportunity. Yeah, yeah. You, were, you were born born too soon. God, oh, dude, was this the first invocation of the word influencer so far since uh, we've been talking? I think so. Yeah. I mean, you talked about earlier about going to a place that was new, and then there was a lot of influencers there. Um, this is a, a, right around the time you were telling me the story about hanging out with a friend of yours that's so cheap that they literally. You were at a, a deli with him, and he went to the counter, and there were chocolate chip cookies for two fifty. Yeah, and he. Um... So he. This was a guy I met in my early twenties. I was living in New York, working for a dot com, thinking I was going to have this like really professional cubicle based career. Yep. Um, and this guy was kind of my mentor. I, in my mind, he was much older than me. I realize now that he was probably all of like twenty six. Um, but I remember he was just constantly negotiating everything, every aspect of his life. And we would go to this kind of corner deli around the corner from our office. And I remember we went there one day and there was a basket of homemade chocolate chip cookies next to the checkout stand. And I remember he goes up to the guy, you know, we're checking out and he says to the guy ringing us up, yeah, so uh, what are you going to do for me on these cookies? <laughs> and the guy was just baffled. you know, Subway will just toss a few in there. For, yeah, you know. like who, who, who is in this constant state of negotiating that way? And the poor guy running the register was baffled. He was like, what are you talking about? <laughs> and he's like, well, you know, they're marked 250, but I think I, you and I both know we can do better <laughs> than that. We both know the food costs on these cookies. Yeah. yeah. And the guy was just so wanting to get rid of us that I think he ended up knocking like 50 cents off the price of this guy's cookie. And I just thought, what a weird, what a weird way to be going through your and whole that life. that guy's probably like, you know what? It's the small victories, Malcolm. <laughs> that's right. It's the small victories. That's what I got. I mean, listen, it can't be the 50 cents that he saved on the cookie that no, was... that was the fact that he won. Right. He's a winner. Oh. He likes to win. Can you imagine? Oh, no. Can you imagine how gross your life looks? Go no, living I'm that way? i a fucking loser. Um, <laughs> isn't it the worst when you like, you know somebody and you're like, 
you've only known them at work and they're like really cool yeah. at work and they become like somebody you're close to and then the minute you go out with them in public you realize they're horribly awkward and terrible in right. public and like yell at waitresses and shit like that yeah no <laughs> the same guy so we had uh, it was it was so the first job I had um, we had gotten I, I was working in New Haven Connecticut we got acquired by this company in New York and uh, we'd been working together but that was it you know we weren't really friends outside of work and so because this company that he owned was acquired by this New York company, this whole gang of like basically kids were suddenly in the city with no place to live. Um, so we were all like sleeping on various staff members' couches from the company that bought us. And so I remember this guy and I, who I had always really looked up to, ended up um, sleeping on the couch of the CFO of this company that had just bought our company. And we got super drunk. And I remember that we then threw the entire contents of the CFO's apartment off the balcony window no, into the street. <laughs> yes, but this was not the point where I was like, oh, this guy's a crazy person. Where it got weird was he started trying to pry bricks out of the <laughs> fireplace to throw off the balcony. And I had to stop him and be like, "You're someone's going to die. Like, what are you doing? And that's when looking back, I'm like, oh, that was a crazy person. Yes. <laughs> that's somebody and who I had no idea. He's like, well, I just adjusted my meds. <laughs> yeah. I'm not really sure what's going to happen. Yeah. But I'm pretty sure I'm going to pry that fucking brick out of the wall and try to throw it out the window. I don't know. And, you know, up until that point, he was, you know, this very polished, like Yale educated, you know, up and coming young man. Um, who it turned out just could not handle alcohol under any circumstances. Yeah, it's it's also unfortunate when you run across people who yeah they're also cool. Then you get out and after two drinks, yeah, you watch their you can see it in their eyes usually first. Like they start to look kind of vacant, yeah, or cartoony a little bit. Well, and, and like, then oh. it just goes full slot machine. And then you're like, oh, okay, <laughs> here we go. Now this I just introduced this person to like two people. Um, so yeah. now whatever this person does. I'm fucking tied to it. Yeah. That's why you never bring people around people. That's what I think. That's right? what I think. Yeah. It's just the, really the best policy. You, I don't bring people. To, I, don't, I don't. I don't go to parties anymore. But if I did, I'm not bringing somebody that doesn't know anybody there. I don't like bring people to yeah, like, put from that other on groups you. Of friends to different groups of friends. Like no. I don't like being responsible for people. Like I have a hard time even being in a relationship. It's like I don't like. I like just. Being, uh, you know, I can fly solo and be like, if I have to be a chameleon, yeah, I can do that. There's a lot to be said for that. This is a longer conversation than I've had this year. Uh, yeah. Uh, yeah. Well, that was, I thought you might be lonely. That's why I came <laughs> so up. I appreciate that. I was like, Malcolm would use the company, so we should just go and Thank microphones you. aren't actually on. Uh, he's just, he just, he had some homework to do, so he's been doing that over there. These aren't on. I mean, this is just for you, Malcolm. Is, Thanks, man. Yeah. Um, but I, uh, thank you for uh, hosting us. No, it's my pleasure. Thanks and, for coming uh, down. Yeah, I, uh, I'm, I'm glad. I'm glad you wanted to check it out. I, I've, I'm proud to show this place off. I like what we're building here. That's fantastic. It has a lot of character. And you tell you what, those are some handsome floors. Thanks, man. What's the color called? Gypsy blue. Gypsy teal. Gypsy teal. Yeah. 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 The floors are gypsy teal. So you're right. It works. We opened this place. I opened this entire place with an investment of five thousand dollars, which anyone in this business would think was insane. I could literally um, drink that in four days. Yeah, like you you can't open restaurants with five grand. And so basically we had this big empty space that needed some sort of design element and we had no money. And so we thought, let's paint the floors a color that you do not see in a New England farmhouse. And boom, like you, we had instant design like from the minute we opened on, on no budget. 
Yeah, uh, no, it's great. It's, it's like if, if it was an England farmhouse that uh, the guy from Jamiroquai bought, <laughs> and uh, he's like, I'm gonna I'm gonna kind of do this up. I like that. I'm gonna put that on T-shirt. Candied in my heels. <laughs> I used to always think it was candy in my heels, and I think that's better than candy personally. Because who wouldn't want candy in there? You know, it, it reminds me of I'm gonna get you sucker. Yeah. When he has those the the heels with the the, the heels are fish bowls. <laughs> yeah. Those are goldfish. Those yeah. are lovely. I'd like to have a pair of those yeah. if I could. I, I can think see I would that. probably massacre them right <laughs> off the bat. Or what happened? I they snubbed them out. Right. They're all gone. They now. shatter. Yeah. Hey. So now that we've covered all the things that are important in life, I want to thank Boy. Malcolm Bedell for being on the show today. Uh, hopefully next time you're at the grocery store or at a McDonald's, now you you feel like a more informed, enriched um, person, human being, basically. Uh, I'm Joe Riccio, and this is the Food Coma Podcast. <laughs>